Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Please follow along in your own Bible, or as the text is presented on the screens above. I will be reading from the New International Version today. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas of Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Our lives can be so fragmented, disrupted, torn apart and splintered. We can be so out of sync with the deepest parts of who we are and what we really long for. But there's truth that centers us, aligns us, and connects us in ways that we don't expect. The words of Jesus, truth and life. In him we find a new way to be human, a new way to live. Sink. In preparing uh, a bride and groom for that day, that special day, uh, oftentimes we, t- well, we always talk about the vows and how do you want to do the vows, and there's some options there. And um, it's funny, but the bride doesn't usually want to have that word obey in there. And she usually will ask, does, does that have to be in there? And I'll, um, I get it. It's, uh, it is about 500 years ago is when that was added in to the vows. And so it's love, cherish, and obey um, your, your husband. And I said, but I, I had this one kind of um, sprite bride and she had a good sense of humor and so I said to her well before you take it out let me tell you what the traditional uh, line is for the groom to say and that is will you love cherish and worship your wife and I said now do you still want me to take out obey (laughs) she said I'll think about it I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be hard to obey somebody who worships you, right? I mean, that would be kind of a... So, um, well, uh, we're going to use those two words, love and obey, today. We're going to look at the link between them. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's very uh, straightforward, simple. Is that fuzzy? Is that, is that not clear? If you love me, you will obey me? Those are the words of Jesus. He says it three times in this passage. It's not hard to understand, but it's hard to do. And this series is about the clear things that Jesus says that are really hard to do. 
And so we're, that's why uh, Sharon suggested getting into a life group, because if it's going to be hard, you're going to want to have some help. And other people are also finding this Jesus' words difficult. And so to, um, our hope would be that each week, as we consider Jesus' words, that either something from his words there or something that's bubbling up in your life, you will say, I'm going to commit to uh, this act of obedience. And so we're starting today with these words, connecting the word love and obedience. And uh, we're going to have communion today, and I want to introduce it right now. There's, there's two tables here, one in back. And uh, the, we remember this table um, as an act of our love and obedience to Jesus. And so um, you're all invited to come, but uh, I'm going to kind of get us working towards this table around the, that link between the word love and obedience. Okay, so I've got um, an outline for you, and here we go. Uh, the, the connection, the link between those two words, love and obedience, that Jesus makes. And I'm going to start with parenting, because you're either a parent or a child, right? All of you? Anybody who's not one of those two things? Um, if you could, you can get up and leave, but you can't. And so uh, it's very common to us, and I want to start there, and then we're going to look at the, the link in the Bible in kind of a big picture sense, and then we'll come back to Jesus, and then we'll come to the table here. So parenting. Uh, I think intuitively, parents know, or, or, and, maybe, and children as well, know that there's this link between loving somebody and obeying them. And if you consider how it's sort of set up, that you have these, these big people, if you, as you're born into this world, you have these big people who are hovering over you, and they're all smiles, and you know, you're crying, and they're all smiles, but they're, and then um, they've got about 20, usually 20 to 40 years advanced experience in the world, right? And they're called parents or adults, and they know things that you don't know as that helpless child there. I mean, this is how it, how it works. And, and uh, the, the thing that I would only want to say is that when, when they pass on knowledge, the best motivation for passing it on is not so that they can prove that they're right and you're wrong. <laughs> Or that, that to show the neighbors how wonderful you are because of your acts of obedience or, or whatever other motivations might be there. We want that motivation to be love. And you realize as a child that your parents love you. They want the best for you. And they tell you these things for your own good. That's kind of the abstract theory. I know we're gonna get, it gets complicated as we go on. Now, if you're a child... Uh, you, you realize this love is coming your way and that these words, this, these uh, commands that go with the love are coming from a place of love, hopefully. And so then you decide to respond with love. You, you, this love link happens in this obedience relationship. And so uh, I remember my, my dad uh, talk. I don't remember a whole lot of what he said to me when I was in high school, but I got one thing I remember. And that was that uh, he said that when he was... Uh, my age, when he was in high school, he didn't want to do um, wrong things that would probably be an embarrassment to him and his family or whatever. And the reason he didn't want to do them was because he loved my grandpa so much. He, he just mentioned my grandpa. I'm sure he loved my grandma too. But, uh, and and I, I can remember him saying that, and he really meant it. Now, I think it was also a little bit of a passive-aggressive way to tell me that I was hurting him, but... That's parents, you know, it's in your toolbox, whatever it takes. <laughs> but it worked. I remember it, you know, all these years later. And um, 
So you have this, the parent loving the child, giving them words of wisdom to get through life, commandments, do this, don't do that. And the child responding to that in a way because they realize they're loved. It, and if that love weren't there, it wouldn't, the, the link wouldn't be there. It'd be hard. Okay, this all works really well until a certain age, when children get to a certain age. What is that age? Sharon, Sharon had a rough go. She said two, two. <laughs> we have prayer later over here. So. But usually it's, it's the teenage year. So I was with a preteen recently. This was at a, I was on a trip. Um, and it's kind of funny. I've shared this story with a few of you. So, But um, she's 11 years old. So think of what that means. 11-year-old girl. Go back 11 years in time. That would be the year 2007. And this is, so this is before something that you have probably on your possession right now, before the, before the iPhones. And her name, in 2007, she was named Siri. Okay? And so I said to her, I said, Siri, uh, what's the weather going to be tomorrow? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I said, Siri, what's it like? having your name. And she was really good in her response. And she said, I love my name. It's way better than Alexa. (laughs) Yeah. But what she said was, basically, um, I'm Siri, but I don't know everything. And my parents know more than me. Now, that's the response of a preteen. But another year or two, if I were to go through that same routine, uh, she would probably know everything. So you, you get to this, there's tension in the relationship. The, the link between love and obedience gets stretched pretty thin during those teenage years. And you become smarter. Now, you've got 15 years of experience or whatever it is, and your parents don't seem as smart as they once did, and God, uh, there's this chemical thing that gets sprinkled on your brain that creates independence in the relationship, so it's all part of his plan, but the love-obedience link is pretty darn thin. Does anybody know that here? Yeah, it really is. Uh... So that brings up a saying that I wanted to touch on before we move on to the story in the Bible, and that is that um, you're, this, you've, you've probably heard this, that you're, uh, once you start having children, that you're only going to be as happy as your least happy child. You've heard that before? Uh, and it's so uh, true, and yet it's not the final word. But it is true that your, your sense of being heartbroken will be tied to the sense in which your children are being heartbroken. And isn't that confirming what we just said about the parent-child, the love relationship? And when there's not a, re- a reciprocity there, when it gets spread so thin, it really, really hurts. And some of you know that way too well. But it's not the final word. There are other sources of joy that we can find in life. And we can still get down on our knees every day and pray for our children or our grandchildren, whoever they are, and we can love them. And we can keep loving them. And that, my friends, gets us into the Bible. So remember, the link we're trying to establish is the love-obedience link. And the Bible starts out with a story of the, in the Garden of Eden of a loving father, a father who loved his children beyond measure, 
And if you read the story carefully, you'll see that. And there was one commandment, just one. And that was to not eat from the fruit in the center of the garden. And then there were consequences associated with disobedience. So you see this love-obedience thing is right there at the beginning of the Bible. And it's perfectly clear. Is it, I mean, could God have made it any more clear? So it's not a matter of clarity, just as with Jesus' words. It's a matter of it's really hard to do. It's hard to obey. And so it's all clear, but it becomes fuzzy as the serpent in the story, the tempter in the story, comes and makes things fuzzy. He, he plays around with, with Eve's mind, and we don't know Adam as well. I suppose we don't know the full, uh, what happened there. Um, uh, probably, I don't think it was, I mean, there's lots of theories that women have about where Adam was, and, and okay, whatever, I don't know. But uh, they both fell, they both to, they believed the line from the serpent that what this God, if he really loved you, if he really loved you, then why would he keep this good thing from you? And he, he puts that seed of doubt in there. And so uh, from that point on, we have, as a human race, lived with this break or, or fuzziness in the link between those two words, love and obedience. But God is a, a God who doesn't give up easily which is good news for us. And the history of his people in the Old Testament, the history of the nation of Israel, he chooses one people to represent him to the rest of the world, and he calls them his treasured possession in Exodus 19. And there's other places where he, his, his love for uh, Israel is, is put into uh, wonderful language. Uh, Israel, my firstborn son, comes to mind. But... Then in Exodus chapter 20, he gives how many commandments? So we've gone from one to ten commandments. And, uh, but if you look, and, and so we think of the commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, and we go there too quickly, because if we look at the context of those ten commandments, just like with parenting, he says them to Israel out of his love. And he begins, the ten commandments begin with a statement of love. I am the Lord, your God who loved you enough to save you out of slavery. I mean, that's, he delivered you out of slavery in Egypt. It's an act of love on his part. And if we, so the, the link is very clear as you read the Ten Commandments. This love and obedience is there. And then um, the people respond to the Ten Commandments by saying, we will keep your words. Very clearly they say, we will do it. We're going to do everything you say, God. And then two weeks later, the incident of the golden calf, where they break at least half of the Ten Commandments, depending on how you count disobedience, you know. Uh, But that's the Old Covenant. covenant, This is the New Covenant. We're going to get to that in a sec. But the Old Covenant was people saying, we will keep your commandments. Out of our will, not out of as a response to love, that that link is there, but we're going to be obedient just uh, as an act of our own will. And they they fail miserably. But God does not give up easily, as I've already said. His love perseveres. And so uh, just an example of that is from Isaiah. Let me read that to you. This is one of my favorite you know, Old Testament verses. Can a mother forget, this is God's voice, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Is that possible to do that? It's a, it's a um, rhetorical question. God is saying, can a mother do that and have no compassion on the child that she has born? 
Can't she? The implication is no. But then God says, and though she may forget, I will not forget you, Israel. You see, I have you engraved on the palms of my hands. God's love perseveres through the disobedience of his children. And um, I'm going to get this slide up for you. As time goes on and the Old Testament and the prophets make their uh, statements of a new, a new day coming, uh, Ezekiel, who was, who was writing this stuff down roughly around 500 B.C., says, um, this is from God, God's voice through the prophet, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Remember the old heart and the old spirit was the one that says, I will keep your commandments. I, I will do it. We will do it. And God says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees or commandments and be careful to keep my laws. And so this is looking forward to that time when Jesus would come. Now, I want, I want to, we're going to go there real, in a sec here, but I want you to see real clearly that the old covenant was uh, from a heart, it, it involved a heart of stone that would say, was saying, we will keep the commandments. And the, the uh, new covenant is one where the heart has become human. It has become truly a, a heart of flesh, warm and pliable. God is going to do that. And, but look how many times you see I will up there. Who's saying I will? Remember the Old Testament or the Old Covenant was based on we will. We will do it. Count on us, O oh God. We're rock solid. We do what we say. And the New Covenant is all about what God will do. I will give you a new heart. I will remove the old. I will put my spirit in you and follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the Holy Spirit is going to come into us. This is what it means to be in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into us and gives us the energy and motivation to do what he commands us to do. That is the critical link that Jesus is going to make here in this passage. Okay, so uh, let's get to Jesus, and we'll close here and then have our communion together. So in John chapter 14, this is... uh, one of those passages that uh, we would call a Trinitarian passage. It, it speaks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I want you to hear the same words coming out of Jesus' mouth, the emphasis on not our will, but on what he will do. So begin, I'm just going to read a few of these verses. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So that's, that's on us. But here's, here's what's underwriting our obedience. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That is the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home within him or her. This is um, obviously, we want to include both genders here. God wants to come home and, or make, make a home in us. He wants to call us to his home, but he's coming, he's going to make a home in us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit want to make a home in us. Now, the implication of that for us as we consider what is uh, an act of obedience, and I, I'm assuming that all of you have something in your life that is a potential act of obedience right now. I do. Okay? 
It may be that hard thing you've put off for a long time. You've procrastinated. You don't want to do it. Somebody you need to talk to, make a phone call, whatever. Or it may be just stopping doing something. It may be having the energy to, to not do something anymore. But we all have something. That's, are we okay with that, just knowing that about each other? That, okay, okay. And the other way to put it is, who is perfect here? <laughs> and then you're excused if you don't, you know, and you don't need to come to the communion table either, because, yeah. So we all have an act of obedience in our future, hopefully. And what Jesus is saying is that when you do that, or when you enter into that act of obedience, you're not on your own anymore. It's not simply an act of your will. You know, uh, put on your game face and your best clothes and go out there and do it out of your own energy. That is not the word we're getting here. It's that Jesus is with you. He's in you. He wants to give you from within the resources and the motivations to do his will. But there is a dependence here that we have to lean into and ask him for that and pray for that. And it doesn't just happen. But to be open to that. So that's the, that's the practical implication of Jesus' words. And then the other thing to note is that he spoke these words on uh, the Thursday night and he was crucified on that Friday. And so it, it, not only is he, um, how do I say this? He's not only making the link of love and obedience with his mouth by telling us what is true and clear, but he's doing it, he's showing us on the cross the link between love and obedience. Absolute love for his father, absolute obedience to his father, and he's doing it not only out of love for his father, but out of love for you and for me. And so as we come to the communion table, my hope is that you can picture Jesus dying on the cross for you as an act of love and obedience to his father because God loves you so much. I want you to just, uh, let's do a little confession here, and I'm going to ask you maybe to to close your eyes and take that prayerful posture that you'd like to take uh, that works for you. But just, just close your eyes and put before God the disobedience of your heart, the ways that you have, uh, and I'm going to join this as well, but the ways that we have not loved as we should have loved or loved the wrong way, Um, whatever act of disobedience is there in your heart. Oh God, we have done things which have not been good. We have thought things that have not been good. The motivations of our heart have not always been right. We put that before you now, oh God, and ask for your spirit to come, your Holy Spirit to come, Your Father, you, O Jesus, through your Spirit to come into our hearts. Make your home there. We invite you. You will not barge in, but you will come to an open heart. And so we invite you there now. In Jesus' name, amen.